It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spurs in full cry here. Look at Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy, and I'm delighted to announce the new head coach of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, <laughs> Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. I don't think it would be a very good move for my career, Windy. No, I agree. It probably wouldn't, <laughs> would it? I mean, if they wanted you, they should have gone all out to get you in the first place. <laughs> what a mess. They'll have to compensate you. Yeah, I mean, if if Brighton want fifty million plus for Potter, how much are we going to yeah. ask for Nathan Bardi? I don't know. I, I I think I think I'd take that deal though. I think I would. Fifty million. Yeah. Yeah. I think, <laughs> we've we've had some bad deals given to us in our time, but I think that'd be a pretty good one. Yeah. Take fifty million. Disband the podcast. <laughs> um, refund the X subs, and and you and I just scuttle off into the sunset. I might buy my um a local pub team and then just do some tactics with them or something. Me and Mr. For Real. Exactly. <laughs> We're not talking about You'll that. only allow 11 Italian players on the pitch. <laughs> we, there is a quite a big Italian community around, around here. Well, Luton anyway. So I just go to Luton and just pick up a, as many Angelos and Marcos as I can find. Il Latino. <laughs> uh, Buddy, do you want to explain to our listeners why you sound so horrendous? <laughs> No, it's, it's not my microphone this time. It's my, my, actual, <laughs> my actual body's falling apart. It's your apart. immune system. My immune. Oh, I just think I just got a little bit overexcited, Wendy. It's been it's been a long time since I've been to the football, and it was uh, ended up being a long, long day on Saturday. And um, yeah, and I just on the fourth floor, my body just can't recover as quick. Like um, yeah, I just can't play. I just can't do. I definitely can't do two games in a week. I'm, I'm at that level now. I have to be nursed through each match. Rotated. Yeah, I think so. It's just like, what is wrong with me? It's now Sunday afternoon. It's Monday. It's Monday afternoon and I'm still as broken as I was yesterday. But worth it. 
really worth it. It was great to be back at the football and great to be, um, yeah, it's great to see see your team win. It was lovely. I do want to talk about that in some more detail because mm-hmm. it was a really it was a really fun match. Um, firstly, I want to shout out Stephen Hitchin, not Steve Hitchin. He has been confused <laughs> for uh, Steve Hitchin before. Um, Barley, do you remember you spoke about gliders a few podcasts ago? Maybe like ten podcasts ago, you mentioned gliders. Yeah, maybe because around here there's um, the Dunstable Gliding uh, Club, and I, I'm always looking at them. I'm always thinking about like how brave you've got to be. But apparently, you don't have to be that brave because you can't crash in a glider. Well, yeah, I mean, Steve, so Stephen is, an, is a gliding enthusiast, mm. and um, he sent a very lengthy email explaining how it works and and like he uh he said don't get me started because i won't stop like enthusiasts of gliding are major major enthusiasts but Mm. it was it was really interesting and uh he he had a very amusing story about picking up the paper and seeing steve hitchin working for (laughs) for spurs when he's called steve hitchin it's certainly spelt the same way i mean i would like to hear more from stephen hitchin about gliding because they've got this kind of weird catapult thing so sometimes they use a little plane to pull it up, but the other times they use this catapult yeah. where they just fling them into the air. And it's like, what's that about? You got, yeah, I would like to hear more from Stephen. Let's well, do a. Let's I'll do pass on. Him. I'll pass on the email to you so you can have a a good read. Uh, okay. it's, it's, it's interesting stuff. Very detailed. Um, just a, a quick mention to to the ex-subs for what was a very entertaining Q and A uh, this week, which included twenty minutes on hedgehogs. I would say. Um, prime content uh if that sounds like your kind of thing then you know subscribe to our patreon <laughs> <laughs> um so Bardi, let's get stuck into the italy match mm. uh i mean you must have just been in your element by the end i mean extra time went very smoothly i mean the first half was was good i, I thought it was good when i was there but then i've been and rewatched the game and i thought we were we were excellent in the first half we had an opportunity, Barella and then Immobile hit the post, and I thought our kind of our domination deserved deserved to go in at the leads. But then, um, in typical Italy fashion, we started to beat ourselves in the second half, and it could have gone really badly. And I, I think it's interesting when you watch what happened to Holland this week that these teams that have just breezed through the group stages without any kind of problems being like like incredible Belgium suffered a little bit last night with it that all of a sudden the competition is now reset it's changed I know it's a cliche but it has all just begun again now everything we did in the group stage doesn't matter anymore it's, it's gone and now it's just about getting through the games which is perhaps why England's they didn't even do anything good in the group stages so perhaps why England are pretty well set up for for the knockout football because it does get a little bit nerve-wracking your your bum starts to squeak and it's a total yeah. One mistake and you're you're done for pretty much now. Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, it's the business end of the tournament. Yeah, um, I thought Mancini made some interesting decisions. I thought Verratti over Locatelli was pretty brave, but I could see why he did it. And um, I thought Berardi was awful, and I thought Chiesa was fantastic when he came on. And and that goal, I it was it happened. It was right in front of me, but I couldn't tell you how he scored it because I don't remember it. I, it's just sometimes mm. you see something and it's just, you stop and you look and then the, the net, the ball is in and it was just like celebration. So yeah, I, I now going back and I can really appreciate that goal for being as wonderful as it, yeah, it was yeah. a wonderful goal. Really, really, really fantastic uh, finish. I mean, the way he controls it with his face and then a quick little touch <laughs> past the defender. This is it. This is it. Yeah. It's, you know, we talk about, 
we talk about the perfect hat trick, right foot, left foot header. This was the mm. perfect goal. You know, a little lovely, <laughs> lovely little header to control, mm. a right foot touch and left foot finish. And every one of those touches was perfect, completely yeah. perfect. It was really special. I mean, because it's quite close to goal, people sort of might overlook it in terms of its quality. But mm. for me, that is the goal of the tournament so far. It was really special. Uh, a Paratici signing, I believe. Mm. <laughs> Was he? Well, I think so. It, it didn't Era. take a genius. It didn't take a genius to, <laughs> to sign Chiesa. He's he's now twenty three years old and he's he's been doing incredible things for a couple of years. So, yeah, I mean, it is a te- it's technically one of his signings, yes. But it's it's like signing I don't know, like like signing Kane, like Man City signing Kane, and, and all of a sudden getting goals. You know, it's, it's kind of it's going to happen. It's going to be good. Fair, fair. Um, so Nathan's just debuted there, our new pronunciation of um, our, our new <laughs> director of football. Um, so Bardi's found out that it is it's not Paratici, it's Paratici. So we're going with Paratici from now on, uh, out of respect for the man. <laughs> um, where do we go next? Gosh, this seems like a good place to start. Ethan P says, at what point does this mess of a manager search start impacting our ability to put together a coherent and successful transfer window? has that ship already sailed (sighs) yeah i mean it does it feels like that to some degree there's been a lot of time wasted so far nathan um what do you think has that ship Uh, sailed at what point when does preseason start the fifth next week then that is my answer because like you're 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 impacting on the amount of time well i guess in the in the week well from today because obviously the manager has to come in and do his assessments and sort of mm-hmm. in advance think how he wants to begin setting things up. I mean, the first week of preseason, other than like um, sort of asserting themselves, is going to be fitness based. But after that point, you're you're laying down your plans for how you want your team to play, how you want them to play, and I think that um, <laughs> you're you're thinking on your feet within next week. Uh, you want to you want a manager to come in to the beginning of preseason with those things thought out. So I think that a player who's not either um, there for preseason, which is something that we complained about Spurs fans for a decade, or in mind for preseason is going to start undermining the preparations mm-hmm. a little bit. So so basically now, I guess, is the answer. About now. Up till now, it's fine. But but we're, we are upon the line. Only only Spurs can go into a, a new season with the manager not being match fit. You know, you're gonna have, <laughs> all, all our players are going to be toned and leaned and ready to go, but the manager will be just like out of condition. And um, the longer this goes on, the more I'm convinced we're going to get a national manager. I think that can that can only be it now. Well, Mancini is fit. <laughs> Mancini is fucking ripped. All my days. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what a man. I I still as much as I'm I'm happy with what he's done with Italy. I just don't think he's the man to manage Tottenham. I don't think he's the the day to day manager that that we need. I still have doubts over his ability to to motivate players over a, 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 an extended period of time. That's fair. That's fair. And um, mm. to to build on Nathan's points, um, I would say so. I felt like we had a bit of a competitive advantage this summer in that lots of our players who were expected to be called up for their um, national sides for the Euros or Copa America, they, they weren't called up. So we had more players at home than expected. So in theory, that should have been an advantage for us. We should have been having players learning a, a new manager's principles and, uh, and and being indoctrinated into their new style and, you know, it, it being... Um, 
put through the pa- through their paces in the new man's preseason way. So whatever that that method happens to be, that will be the chosen method. As it happens, we're going to be having players joining the squad late because we don't seem to want to press go on transfers until the manager's in place, and the manager is basically going to have to <laughs> make preseason up on the fly. I mean, you'd think that most coaches and managers would have preseason plans in place, but it's going to take time to to like inform the start, the support staff at least, of how things are going to operate. So it's really frustrating that we're now eating into essentially what could have been a competitive, competitive advantage. It's really, really frustrating. And whilst I was quite relaxed about the manager hunt uh, for, for, for weeks... That was because I absolutely did not believe it would get to this point. I mean, if I'd thought that there was any chance it would get to this, I would have been anxious and annoyed from the beginning. This is this is ridiculous. This is this is beyond a joke now. Um, and we do need to appoint a manager soon, very soon. You know, th- this week we need to appoint a manager so we can start preparation. Yeah. I would like to introduce uh, using the idea of Roberto Martinez. Roberto Martinez is a barometer for panic, right? So. If you think back to we've just sacked Mourinho, how happy would you be on a scale of one to ten if you if we signed Roberto Martinez? Where do you think you were about then? One. Yeah, like a one. And now three seasons about to start. Nuno is being dangled in front of our faces. How highly would you rate uh, Roberto Martinez now? Four. About four. All right, we're really starting to we're really starting to pick up. I think. Give it a week. That the... that four might be seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's getting to that point, right? We just need someone in, and it's it's ridiculous that this is the case. Um, I can only think that it was because of Paratici coming in so late. It's had a knock-on effect of us now appointing a, a manager so late. But that doesn't make any sense because why wasn't he just appointed earlier? It's it's cr- this is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. What are we doing? I mean, it, it it's this crazier than having like twenty players still at the World Cup. Or I don't know. It's, it's that kind of levels that you're right. We we were going into a summer with very few players at the at the Euros, so we could have really hit the ground running. But yeah, I don't know if this is worse than the summer of 2018. I don't know. I I'm I'm still a one on Martinez. I haven't seen anything from <laughs> Belgium, which makes me think that they have any plan other than give the ball to Lukaku or or hope De Bruyne does something, or just hit and hope something that that happens. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, hopefully Martinez gets sacked on on Friday night. That's what I'm hoping for when they play when they play Italy. Uh, so AJ THFC Middux, I'm guessing it's Middlesex uh, or Maddox. Mid, I don't know Middlesex. I think we all hoped that with a director of football, we would see a clear long term philosophy for the club. And that player signings and managerial hires would be made to fit that philosophy. With the evidence that we've seen so far, lurching from one manager to the next with seemingly no real criteria, plus Peritici's reputation for liking free transfers, should we expect the players and managers that we go for to be far more random and based on who is free or cheap at the time? Gosh. There's a very, in my opinion, a very clear plan and philosophy in place here, and it is make... Jorge Mendes as much money mm-hmm. as we possibly can, right? We've we've gone through a string of different manager links of various different styles, but the one thing that they all have in common is that they are in at least some way related to Jorge Mendes's agency. Uh, I don't even know if I want to go there. It's um, we've got it. It's we've so got depressing. It because, yeah. So if we if we were to appoint um, Nuno Espirito Santo, what we what we would be doing is accepting that Mendes now does 
our transfers. He's now he's like the first option for for our transfers. You 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 identify a position you want to fill, and you go to Mendes and you say, "What players have you got?" That's essentially what we'd be getting into bed with. And so there's 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 an upside to that, which is if you Definitely. look back over Wolves' transfer dealings, they've signed some players that you would not have thought it would be possible for Wolverhampton Wanderers to sign previously, and they are good players. There's, they've they've made some fantastic signings. But scattered in amongst those fantastic signings are like, what was it, 40 million on Fabio Silva? Uh, and that's yeah. not a player that's worth 40 million. He played less than a thousand minutes. <laughs> that is a that is a lining the pockets of some now very rich people signing. Uh, yes, you know, they pay to some degree for potential, but it's not 40 million of potential. Potential would be 20 million, 25 million. So you're accepting some serious dark arts and uh, and you're also accepting that an external factor is controlling much of your transfer activity. And I think that is concerning. And it's not just transfers in, it's transfers out as well. It means that if if we have, you know, a Mendes player who wants to move on, they will and they will be very easily enabled by Mendes doing the same thing for another club. It's it's a, you know it's it's a it's a mixed bag and all, and I'm there I'm there's probably you know a lot of positives um, but I just think you're you're taking that gamble on someone else instead of instead of on your on yourself and your own ability to 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 identify and recruit. Uh, We're at his whim, and it, mm. it may be a you know it may be a good whim, but it it's no longer sort of that much down to us mm-hmm. until we find a way to cut ties if if that's what we need to do, but. Absolutely. I want to, I want to give uh, Solaspers Gianni a shout out as well because he he asked a question about Mendes also. Um Nathan, let's get your thoughts on Nuno because we've not done that yet. Before we do that, I just want to briefly touch upon the hashtag uh the the Nota Nuno hashtag. So, obviously we started the Nota Gattuso or we um we, we signal boosted the Nota Gattuso hashtag. Uh, I would not have done the same for Nota Nuno because for the for the Gattuso thing, it was it was based on him as a person and me and us not wanting to be associated, our club to be associated with him. Mm-hmm. I, I think Nuno's a really decent bloke. I, I, I like him a lot. I think he seems very charismatic, very pleasant. He does have a connection with the Wolves fans to some degree. Uh, he has good intentions, I think. Um, I do not want him to be our manager. Um, what do you think, Nathan, about him as a potential manager candidate? Mm. Well, um, I think he did a good job at Wolves. I think that he's a good manager. Uh, but, I mean, we won't be the first people to sort of point this out, obviously. But, like, Levy did a public statement in which he talked about club DNA and attacking free-flowing, entertaining football. And uh, <laughs> and I just don't think Nuno's your guy. Okay, so, like... Uh, obviously I'm not going to say this is not a manager who can play football of that type. I'm not going to say it's impossible. That's completely against who he is. Um, but the odds aren't massively in his favour. Uh, obviously, Wolves have uh, a, a, um, a negative talent differential in the Premier League, right? Um, but if you go back to his Porto, who were one of the stronger sides, if not the strongest sides, they weren't so great. Uh, if you go to his Valencia, they were sort of functional and decent, but certainly not free-flowing or attacking or, or brilliant. And then, okay, you've got his first year at Wolves in the Championship. And yeah, they were pretty good to watch. But as we sort of already mentioned, through Mendes, he had, he had a 
a Europa League squad in the championship yeah. and it's it's almost unavoidable to, to play a, you know good dominant football with such a, a talent a positive talent differential there so I think maybe you've got one season out of uh, pushing towards 10 in which there's been any kind of demonstration of that I think that like it's not just like it's not Sam Allardyce or, or Pulis right there are stylisms and interesting things uh, interesting from a sort of after the fact textbook nerdy kind of way but maybe not that interesting to watch there was an article in the athletic that said yes they were sort of pragmatic and dull in the last season but overall they were entertaining but what the author i've forgotten his name but what, what the writer says there is like the entertainment factor came or what they don't say but is clearly implicit is that the entertainment factor came from the story and the growth over time and mm-hmm. the fact that they were a championship side moved up to the Premier League and pushing up and doing those things. Of course they're sitting on, on occasion, of course they had some good games etc. Um, but it it was um, I mean it was a low book block press a lot of the time. Um, they were down the bottom of the the PPDA passes per defensive action or um, well, it really means the opposite of that, right? Uh, allowed passes per your team's defensive action metric season after season. So, uh, I don't know. I, I'm still not going to say that, like, he can't coach attacking football, but, like, you're better off gambling that Bobby Martinez can make his attacking football work than you are gambling that someone who's not coached attacking football can pick that up on the fly with the right signings. So, um, yeah, I'm not especially optimistic about this one. Absolutely agree. And, and what you're saying there with the PPDA references, essentially they're a very passive team. They allowed the opposition to have lots of the ball in front of them in areas where they thought they couldn't be hurt. Uh, they defended yeah, quite deep quite deep and they, quite close to their own goal. They do pick up the intensity in their press in the right spaces. Once the ball is into the area around their midfield, they do... they quickly pick up the intensity so there was there's some active closing down rather than being forced all the way into their own box but um rarely outside of their own half of the pitch um yeah um Bardi as someone who was a little more open to playing a more defensive style of football uh under Mourinho you know would you take 38 one nils etc etc <laughs> uh how do you feel about potential of Nuno joining us I mean for me it kind of falls in the same category as Fonseca I was I wasn't for it but I wasn't like mortally against it like I kind of was with Gattuso had Nuno been appointed then then fine let's hope he hope he builds on what he's done already and builds from a defensive position and, and does something with with perhaps better players with with Sun with Kane and stuff so I was willing to accept that and that's why I was a bit vocal against the whole hashtag I just thought it was you know there's there's time and, and there's a time and a place for certain things and I don't think that hashtag was justified in going after Nuno with it as you said as we've all said he, he seems like a nice guy who's he's got a plan on how to play football it doesn't fit in with my what I like from football and what we want to see from our manager and the, the whole Mendes thing but had he been appointed I would have supported Nuno you know um I think there's probably something still there in that guy, and I'd still take Nuno over Roberto Martinez. Yeah, that's where that's where I am with it. I don't want Nuno, but right now you like you're a four now, Martinez instead of being a one. I was would have been a two on Nuno back in May, but now I now I'm a seven on Nuno. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. There you go. I, I could I could easily see myself getting behind him, you know. Oh, I mean, many yeah, abso- absolutely. It, you know, if if we did appoint him, then he would have my full backing. Mm. Um, and we just have to wait and see if he can adapt to the squad. I don't think we have many players that fit the way his Wolfside has played over the last few years, to be honest. So there would he'd have to he'd have to adjust his style accordingly. Yeah, my my concern about him is the the lack of progress from that Wolves team. It's the Wolves team that came up. Look good because you know it was a surprise. It was different. Three five two. Everything else what they were playing, and then there's just been no no advancement from there. They haven't kicked on. They haven't improved. Certain individuals that, that remain good, but they just a whole. He hasn't been able to to build upon that foundation, which is my concern. It's not like you could look at Pochettino what he was doing at Southampton and say, yeah, that's transferable to a new set of players. I'm not sure that is. I'm not sure what he believes in is is. Um, can can move across teams. So in his final season at Wolves, he um, attempted to um, change things up and play a more attacking type of football by moving to a four-two-three-one. Mm. So you can see there's there's some plan there. And previously at Valencia at Porto, he'd played um, with a back four and a couple of different shapes in front of that. Um, so I would imagine that would be sort of the idea that he'd be going with. That failed very badly at Wolves. They they went from having a defensive plan that was miserable to watch to having a very a much less clear, much less discerned, more attacking plan. Had a terrible string of results and then reverted to the defensive football to get them over line and avoid relegation. So I mean, I guess that would be the assumption that he would want to play four two three one. Um, I guess it depends on his view on the squad, obviously, but um, I, I would imagine that there would be quite... If if his intention is to play attacking football, which surely it would have to be, then I would imagine that the ideas overall would be quite different to what we've seen at Wolves, and, and we're sort of starting with a bit of a blank slate, which is why I feel like, yeah, sure, I, I'll give him a chance, but I imagine mm. I'll have pretty strong feelings after five games, because either we will be... and like You can attempt and you can fail to play attacking football for a season, absolutely, but if we're not trying yeah. you know um, after, after just a few games I'm going to start to feel pretty miserable pretty quick because like what we said multiple times last season is like hey things aren't great now but he'll probably be sacked by the end of the season and we can move on we've got such a good squad we built this stadium training ground blah 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 blah. we're going to rebuild we're going to be something better and so we got through or certainly certainly I got through the Jose Mourinho era knowing that it would be short term and there'll be Mm. you know a greener side over there so to then like hire another sort of defensive pragmatic manager because his agent is your agent uh, I, I'm not. I'm not feeling particularly. Good. But then I also have to say, hey, look, the last like seven managers we were strongly linked with have fallen through. So we can't. I can't break my heart preemptively on a manager that, that may well go to Fenerbahce or whatever. So that's fair. That's completely fair. The the worry for me, the bigger worry for me, is is even in the consideration in the first place because it's, sure. it shows that we're it's a scattergun approach again. It's not shame we could do so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is it. There's there's no. There's no apparent structure to our search for a manager. And I think that leads nicely onto this question. Well, I just got one more thing. I said I said on Twitter that this whole manager search is like, you know, there was an old lady who swallowed a fly and then, then she swallowed the spider to catch the fly. And then she swallowed the <laughs> bird to catch the spider 
to catch the to catch the spider who to catch the fly, and that's what Tottenham are doing. They just keep eating worse and worse and worse to try and solve the original problem. Is just hiring a, a decent manager, and we're just going down and down the list. And the further down the list, the more concerned I get that we're going to end up with with Martinez or God forbid <laughs> a Southgate. And then just what's the point? Give me give me my season ticket back. <laughs> Uh, so, so Bardi, we're going to need your expertise here to answer this question. This is from Mohamed Serti, uh, who says, whilst I keep hearing good things about Paratici's player recruitment, his choice of coaching appointments deserves scrutiny. Aside from the Allegri and Conte hires at Juve, there's been Del Neri, Sarri and Pirlo. Unlike Juve, we don't have the history to attract enough top-level players who any coach can be reasonably successful with. Thus, could you scrutinise at a high level his general decision-making at both Juve and Sarri? Well, Del Neri was a, a logical appointment. They knew him. He'd done pretty well at Sampdoria, and you could see why they did that. Obviously, it was a disaster. Then after that, Conte Conte worked out, and then the Conte got well. They got himself Pogba, and they had himself Pirlo, and then Vidal. So it, it worked out in that way. But I don't think Sari was a a bad choice. Allegri was a, a great choice. So Sari, Allegri, Conte were all successes. So that that's a good thing. Um, Pirlo was they needed a full guy and it, it smells of a full guy they needed someone to take the, to take a hit this year and that's who they went with um, I don't think his manager I don't think there's too much to scrutinise there I actually um, I actually think they've misstepped Pirlo I think that he's done quite well and maybe he's brought in to be the full guy but they should have stuck with him because the football was actually pretty decent the underlying numbers were extremely promising mm. um, so <laughs> I don't know and there, there is a bit of sort of um, a Spurs pattern there where they go like pragmatic defensive coach <laughs> uh, you know uh, forward thinking possession coach pragmatic coach uh, doing the the odds and evens there so I mean I guess with Juventus they don't have the sort of the thing that we do where we prioritise that so much they just want to win Scudetto every single year so um, if if it's a different remit and it's purely about success it's a pretty decent string of managers I think Sarri not working yeah. out is is you know you you should judge the appointment the time the appointment was made and Sarri was is uh, a very good manager even if he's a, maybe a misfit for, for Juve but nonetheless I'd take Sarri at, at Tottenham all day I think he'd be I think he'd be great at Tottenham um, of course he does have the ex-Chelsea thing um, Allegri was a, a no you know Allegri wasn't a, a difficult decision he'd won the league with Milan he was highly very experienced um, I think the problem with Juve is, you know, it's well documented. They, they sold their soul in the chase for the Champions League and bought Ronaldo to get there. And, and that's kind of upended the whole team. Before we get stuck into some more questions, I just wanted to, to flag up a player we've been linked with very strongly this week. Tomiyasu, uh, who plays for Bologna, mainly as this season, mainly he's been a right-back, but previously he'd been a centre-back or could play on the right of the back three. Uh, it seems like Atalanta want to sign him and Spurs are competing with them for him. Uh, the reporting kind of implies that Spurs are sort of 
strongly interested. And Nathan, I know you've done quite a bit of watching of clips of him. I just wanted to get your thoughts. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, uh, I think he's a good player. Is this just short of it? I think yeah. that he uh, his future is at centre back. I think that you know he's done a bit of time sort of playing the Ben Davies defensive fullback role because that's the setup that they wanted. But he, um, for, <laughs> you know, that I don't like saying that players are centre backs are fullbacks, but I certainly wouldn't say he is a fullback. Um, I, th- I think that our intention with him is would be to play centre back, and maybe also you know he can cover right back when needed because that's another problem area. Um, but I would imagine that that is the intention with them. Uh, he is tall, but he's not great in the air. He's got mm. better in the air recently because he's put some muscle weight on. Um, he's very two footed. He's right dominant, but his his left is good. He often plays on the left side when he's playing at centre back, um, or he has done anyway. Um, his passing isn't incredible. Um, he, but is sort of safe and secure. Um, his, his sort of comfort on the ball is stronger though. He sort of has a, a decent carry on him. Um, so like he'd be sort of fairly secure or is put, is fairly secure when he's sort of put under pressure, but he's not going to be sort of expansive and picking out runners over the top and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, still, a, still a developing play, obviously. Um, but yeah, I quite like, and this is the thing, like, <laughs> the the players that we're being linked to while we're being linked to what I consider to be predominantly not great managerial choices are outstanding. Like this is like the links aren't as strong. The links aren't incredibly like we're definitely about to sign this player, but the links that are being made are like yeah, you know, they're like they're the most promising they've been maybe ever. And so it's kind of babbling. It's like, because like obviously the manager is the main thing at the moment. Everyone's going, oh, players or whatever. We don't have a manager yet. How can you sign players? But like the players are good. Players are really good. Um, Buddy, any insights from you on Tommy Asu? No, but if if Atalanta wants him, he's a he's a good player. They they have a they have a special eye for picking up players. So just um just follow that. Just scout their scouts and what nice. they do. Copy. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I watched a, I watched a, f- a few clips yesterday, um, and I, I tend to agree with Nathan. I think he's really promising. I, I think his left foot is so good that we could even be targeting him to play on the left of a back three. Sure. Um, he he's. It's not that he uh, uses his left foot when he has to. He's very happy to use his left foot when it's appropriate to do so, when the angle is better for a left foot. I would consider him, you know, literally both-footed. Uh, and that's for, that goes for dribbling as well as passing. He's he's very comfortable dribbling on his left and, and sort of fainting on his left as well. He reminds... I said to Nathan yesterday, he reminds me a bit of Vedran Chorluka in that he's, sure. he's he looks quite slow and almost cumbersome and yet... He tends to make good progress. He's quite a neat dribbler. Um, he covers ground relatively quickly, although he doesn't accelerate well. He's he's got a good stride on him, uh, so he covers background really quickly. And yeah, comfortable bringing the ball out into midfield. Um, I think there's lots to like about him. He's only 22, um, and it, the, the sort of numbers being quoted are around the 16, 17 million mark, which that's you know that's that's a relatively cheap signing uh, for for a player that's played a couple of seasons at uh, the highest level. So yeah, it make, makes loads of sense to me. I quite like I quite like the link. I don't see him being like the dominant centre back we've all been hoping for. That's the only thing. So it would need to be probably him and one other coming in at centre back. Um, that's that's my only sort of question mark. 
Uh, sticking with centre-backs, Paul P. Punctures says, does Joe Roden's Welsh performances, do Joe Roden's Welsh performances translate to a starting place in Spurs' backline? I've been pretty impressed, I must say. He's he's not the finished article by any stretch. He's still a player that makes mistakes. He's got stupid booking for descent. But I think Joe Roden is a really good, good ball-playing centre-back. Has, has, has your view changed on him at all, Bardi? Um, no, I think he remains a decent, decent option. Um... I think a lot of Wales is. I think Wales have given up quite a few chances, and he. De- but he's defended the box pretty well in yes. the same kind of way that Alderweireld and Vertonghen are managing to look pretty good at this tournament. Just a lot of good box defending players, which they always are. Um, I just have concerns about Roden if we try and play a, a more expensive version or play the ball out the back or play a high line. That's where my concerns would happen in a in a low block team. I think he'll be fine. Nathan, have you been impressed by Big Joe Roden? <laughs> uh, I I thought that we should play him more yeah. <laughs> before the Euros. I don't feel mm. particularly differently now. <laughs> I tend not to. I haven't even watched that much Wales, to be fair. Uh, I missed the Denmark game, so yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, so another player being linked to the move is Ben Davis. Um, I mean, there's some crazy numbers quoted. He's be- So he is being linked with... Um, Serie A, actually. I forget the side. Who was it? Was it him? Inter. Was it Inter? Inter? No, I, I don't, don't think it was Inter. I forget who it was now. <laughs> Roma. <laughs> no, it might be Roma. <laughs> Napoli. It's got to be Napoli then. Uh, but, th- I mean, they're talking about 50 million plus for him, which yeah. bite the hand off, surely, right? Yeah. Yeah. As, as much as he's been an excellent servant to Spurs, he speaks very well. I like him as a person. Uh, he's never moaned about being in and out of the team, which must have been frustrating for him. I mean, that is that sounds like a good price for a player who has not really kicked on that much at Spurs. He's, he's a steady Eddie and very little more. Um, yeah, if we, if we could offload Gentle Ben and bring in Tommy Yazoo with like a extra one or two million outlay, that feels like a, an upgrade. And you're sort of thinking towards the future as well because you're getting a much younger player mm-hmm. so uh, I'm on board we're, with that. we're all in favour do it make it happen Wendy <laughs> <laughs> uh, final question this is from Petter who says if Winks leaves and we're going to play more possession oriented style who do you think will play the green bin role do we need to buy someone and the green bin is a, is a reference I made god months ago now I'm, I'm delighted that Petter's run with it because <laughs> no one else has, has run with this at all uh, essentially he's the recycler of, of the ball he's the person oh, who nice. keeps things moving he, he recycles possession um, I think Huey Bear can, can do that to a degree Nathan yeah and Skip as his deputy that's the thing isn't it it's uh, it's Skippy Scheuberg has been very impressive I I was starting to have my doubts about him to be honest I thought he was a bit overhyped, but he's been fantastic. He even he even did a a, a foot roll. He rolled the ball <laughs> over his under his foot, and then cut inside and had a shot. The shot was rubbish, but it was it was very impressive. I think he's been great. Maybe he's just Hoiberg unleashed. So maybe he could play that role. Uh, yeah, I've, I've enjoyed watching him play. I am concerned about the amount of minutes that guy's run through this year. That's but, it. Yeah. That's that's it, isn't it? That's the uh, that's the warning flag. I mean, he's he's definitely shown that he can play a more all round role rather than just to sort of sit in and keep things mm-hmm. moving. I mean, I thought whenever he pressed forward for, for us last season, he looked effective. I mean, I can remember two or three goals where he stole the ball up high and was really effective at sort of leading the press. And when you've got a player like Skip who has just done, you know, a traditional um, water-carrying role for Norwich where he's picking the ball up from the back centre-backs and he's moving the ball through the first line, 
that kind of could give Huey Bier some freedom. And I don't relish Skip and Huey Bier being in the same midfield, but I can see managers thinking that is a functional option, certainly to start off with. Um, so I, I think in answer to Petter's question, I think we've got some potential there in terms of uh, players that can keep the ball moving and have multiple, have have a high pass volume. That's the key thing, isn't it? You, you, you do need a midfielder. I mean, Bardi loves Jorginho, who gets on the ball and keeps things moving and gets on the ball and keeps it moving and just does that constantly throughout a match and helps set the tempo. And I, I think Skip and Huey Bier both have the potential to be that man for us. It makes me so sad that Jorginho plays for Chelsea all the time. It makes me so sad. Can't just I can't enjoy him. I just I really I mean I, I think he's fabulous. I think he's one of the, I think he's one of the best midfielders in the world. But it's always that little kind of niggling feeling that he's, he's Chelsea. Anything else to add, boys? Um, we should sign Damsgaard. Boy can run. <laughs> Actually, we had a bit of a chat on the Q&A about players we've been most impressed with at the Euros. There have been some eye-catching performers. And Nathan, t- take us through yours, because I think they're particularly interesting. I already can't remember who I said. Uh, so, Isaac. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think he's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Tell us about uh, him. What did I say? I, so, I, I, I mentioned that, like, um, he didn't make my initial list that I put together for, like, if we sell Harry Kane, here are some other options. Um, but I sort of like after some pressure, um, uh, Voodoo Chopsticks Dan sort of was was leading the charge, and I was like, oh yeah, sure, okay, I'll put him on. You know, he, he had very good numbers last year. He kind of runs um, like he's about to fall over. Yeah, he does. But, <laughs> but uh, he doesn't, so that's that's fine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's a good player, and has obviously having uh, has had a brilliant um, Euros. And then oh, I mentioned Locatelli as yeah, well, yeah. who like. Yeah, well, if you want someone to recycle possession, there's not many better yeah. players in the world for that. So, um, do we need to bring in uh, a, a deep midfielder, a, a six slash eight? Maybe. Um, do we have the budget to buy Locatelli? I doubt it very much, especially mm-hmm. if Juventus are interested. But um, he's good. We have been linked with him as well. He's one of the players who makes me say, "Oh, look at all these players we've been linked with." Goodness. Yeah. That would be an unbelievable signing. I, I can't see it happening. No. But it would be unreal. Oh, God. We're, I think we're a bit downbeat, aren't we, about this manager hunt? Let's uh, let's hope that by this time next week, we can be a little bit more cheerful and, and look towards the future. I mean, this time next week, pre-season training will be starting and we'll have some, <laughs> some training shots of our, our returning players. So that'll be nice. I'm fairly confident. Week. But by the time that I've edited this podcast, that the entire situation will be completely different. <laughs> yeah. That would be highly typical, right? Yeah, and let's hope um, Roberto Martinez is out of contract by this time next week. Let's hope he's been fired because of another disappointing display. And then he's available, isn't he? Well, yeah. <laughs> that's not what you but, want. No, well, that's a, that's, a, that's a conundrum now. If, if Italy beat Belgium, do I want Italy to beat Belgium, which could ultimately lead to Roberto Martinez being hired as a Tottenham manager? That's, a, that's quite the would-you-rather. It's quite the conundrum. Yeah, I'm going to leave that there and let people <laughs> guess what my opinion would be on that. It's quite a lot easier for me to answer than for you to answer, buddy. <laughs> well, I don't want to answer because it could be held against me. You've been listening to The Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud, D Lindmer. Do check him out. He's great. great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help.